everybody. We are in a series called In Your Corner, which is a metaphor for fighting or boxing, but it's also a great metaphor for life and leadership. During this series, we're gonna be looking at like the, the three like key relationships that you need to have in your corner to, to make it in this world and to kind of go to like the source of who really understands that. We're at Vital Strength down here in downtown Denver, which is a gym, a training gym run by my friend Benny Lopez to get his thoughts on, on leadership. So here we go. You are you're a, you're a coach and a trainer now. Yes. Businessman, right? Right. Yeah. But at one time, you you were a you were a fighter, right? I was. How did you get into that? I always loved combat sports. You know, I was I was into boxing as a young young man. I spent some time away. Yeah. I went to prison for for a little bit of time, and I was already 28 or 29 by the time I got home and got out. I needed somewhere to take all the pent up stuff that was stuffed up inside me and for one moment feel free. And I started getting my butt handed to me on the daily. And so you recognize really quick, oh, wait a minute, you're not the baddest dude on the block, you know? And the freedom that, that those beatings gave me. Like okay, explain that. I, I, I think I understand what you're saying. The freedom those beatings gave me, meaning what? Just being drugged down so far that I had nothing left. I had no ego left. I had no chip on the shoulder. I had no attitude left to give anymore. And that's really the first time that my heart was even soft enough to be opened up to let Jesus in. Longer, longer, longer. Some of these young guys and girls that you have in here, right? They come in here, they got a little swagger to them, right? I gotta show them what the bottom feels like. I get athletes and they all come from different backgrounds and different upbringings, and they all have their thing, their trauma, that controls how they react and respond to adversity. I'm trying to talk to that. I'm trying to reach that. I'm trying to talk to their heart and see, can I influence how you respond to adversity here and here in this cage, on this mat? And can I point to what it looks like to do that at home with your children? what it looks like to do that at home with your wife. I care 10 times more about what's going on outside of this gym than what's going on inside of this gym, Yeah, you know? There's a price you have to pay. Absolutely. Right, and, and you you, there's the no right. shortcut to it. You gotta earn the right. Yeah, and I, I think that's lost a lot on this generation. Yeah. It's instant success. You cannot instantly become a good fighter. 100%, right? not a Or a good man, or a good dad, or a good husband, or whatever. But we need people pouring into us, and then we need to take care of each other. Exactly. Yeah, you gotta respect find some... the journey. Yeah. Respect the journey, man. There's no shortcuts. That's it. You respect that process because that's where all the gold happens. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do know what you're saying. Yeah, I know you do. Awesome. Boom. Yeah, yeah. So good. Hey, welcome everybody. We're welcoming all of our campuses around the Denver area together right now. Uh, we say hi to our brothers down at Lyman Prison and also the inmates across our country who are joining us through the Pando app and God Behind Bars and our men and women stationed overseas. I heard back from one of them from our campus in Antarctica. So will you give a shout out to all those people around the planet right now? Uh, it's so awesome. I think I need to go visit him around there. But uh, hey, today we opened with a, a video of an interview I did with my friend Vinny, uh, who's a strike coach for UFC. They asked me to come down and give him some pointers. Curtis needs him. No, uh, but uh, 
Hey, listen, whether you're into that stuff or not, here's, here's the point, is that in the Bible, you will find stories about sports, like, like running and fighting, and the training that it takes for that athlete to like win the prize. But they're really not talking about that. They're actually metaphors, or the Bible word would be parables. Um, the, the writer's actually kind of talking about spiritual things, spiritual training, and what it takes for us to progress in that part of our life, to make progress in the most important parts of our life. So having said that, today we're gonna, we're gonna kick off a brand new series, all right? Before I go on my July study break, let me explain what that is. It's part like mini sabbatical. This one's by choice. And uh, let it go, man, let it go. Anyway, and it's part vacation. So I take a break in the summer just to kind of prep and kind of try to hear from God what God wants for my life and also what God wants to do at Flatirons over the next couple of years. And today is part of that, as a matter of fact. But before I do, I'm really excited to do this little three-week series on one of my favorite subjects. Uh, it's the subject of leadership. I love talking about leadership. Now, now, when I said the word leadership, here's what I know happened in this room and all, all across everywhere, right? Um, a bunch of you had different like things Things come up in your, in your head, in your mind. Some of you, I said leadership, and you, said some, you thought something like this. I don't need this. I'm already a leader. I, I know all about leadership. I, I write books on leadership. I mean, look at me. Ta-da, I'm, I'm a leader, right? There's, there's nothing I have left to really learn about how to be a leader, to which I'd say, okay, you might be a leader, right? But there's good ones and bad ones. Hitler was a leader by definition, all right? But maybe, maybe, you're, not a, maybe you're not a good leader. You're a leader, but you're not a good one. Or maybe you're leading, but not in a good direction. Or how about this? Let's, let's go with this one. You're, you're good, but you're not as good as you could be as a leader. Because one of the number one characteristics of a good leader is leaders are always trying to learn more. We're trying to learn more, to understand more, to get better leading, to, to get better at leading those that have been entrusted to us. So the first takeaway from this series is this. Leaders, at least good ones, never stop learning. This is going to be, a, you're going to want to take a lot of notes on this. this. This is good stuff. It should be in, that should be in the Bible. Anyway, anyway so, so, so how about this? Maybe some of you heard me say we're gonna talk about leadership and you thought, I, I don't need to know anything about this because I know I'm not a leader. And the reason you probably think that is because you have some idea, some picture, some example of what a good leader is in your head, a real leader is in your head, and, and you look in the mirror and go, I don't see that. I'm not, I don't fit that definition. Well, maybe you have the wrong definition. By definition, let's just take it way down to its basic. A leader is somebody who looks behind them and there's somebody following them. I mean, that, really, right? Uh, following your words or following your example or following your, your direction or your ideas, good, good or bad. So again, by that definition, whatever you do, whatever you don't do, wherever you go, however you choose to get there will have some effect, for better or worse, on people who are following you and the leadership decisions that you make that fall on them, right? I'll give you some examples. If you look behind you and there's somebody that calls you mom or dad or coach or teacher, then you're a leader, right? If you have a job where people have to do what you tell them to do, they're supposed to anyway, you're, 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 you're the leader. If you have some level of influence over some people around you on how they see like life or see the world or see you know, how, how to make right or wrong decisions, how they see other people, how they see God and you have influence in their life, you're a leader. There's all kinds of leaders. If you're, how about this? If you're a freshman guy in college who organized a raid on the girls' dorm and when you got up to the third floor, you look behind you and there's no guys there because they all chickened out or got, you know, got busted and then you got you know, hauled before the school disciplinary committee because this really cute girl named Robin you were trying to date turned you in and then you get impeached from student government. That was really specific. Um, happened, but 
but you might be a leader. Anyway, let's move on. Anyway, summarize that rabbit trail. Um, I'll put it, put it this way. You are a leader if there are people who follow you on any level. So, by definition, leaders go first. Leaders go first, right? Be that towards something good or something not great. But if you go first, because you went there first, then somebody else is gonna go there too. And if you don't go there, they probably will never go there either because you didn't go there first. Again, that could be a good thing or a bad thing, but either way, file this away, leaders go first. Let me give you one more. Some of you heard, uh, we're gonna talk about leadership for like three weeks. Oh no, not more of that. I had to listen to that at work and at school. I've, I've read the books. I've listened to the podcast. I think all those dumb personality leadership tests. I'm, I'm an, an eight with a wing seven, golden retriever, high D, low I, ENTJ, pioneer, creative, warrior, lover, king. What? Good for you. This, this is not that. We're not gonna do that. Here's, See, here's the thing about leadership that we're gonna talk about in the next couple of weeks that most, most people don't talk about this part of leadership. Leadership can be the loneliest place in life. Right, sounds kind of glamorous. It's gonna be really, really lonely. See, see, when you're the leader of anything, when everybody around you is counting on you, depending upon you, ready to blame you if it doesn't work well, when nobody understands the weight or the burden of the things that you and nobody else but you have to think about, in the company or in the, on the team or in the family, it gets really lonely real fast. And in that loneliness, you'll feel pressure. And if that pressure goes on long enough, you're gonna get tired and then you'll panic and you'll make a wrong decision and a mistake and then self-fulfilling prophecy, something will break and it'll crumble and then the, head, the voice in your head will go, see, I told you you were a bad leader. Am I close to anybody? Right. Here's what that feels like or looks like for me, all right? So I'm the leader, right? I'm the lead pastor here at Flatirons. So here's how it works, right? If everything's going great at Flatirons, you know who gets all the credit and the glory? God. But if it doesn't go well here, you know who doesn't get blamed? God. They blame me. Hey, Jim, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with your leadership? What's wrong with your staff? Now, if you're in any level of leadership, you felt this pressure. I've seen the heads in this room nodding, right? And, and, and we're gonna look at this idea that even if you're at the top of the, of the org chart in your family, in your business, whatever, while you and only you can make some decisions and calls, even then, good leaders do not lead from or lead in isolation. You're gonna be tempted to. Don't do it. So let's look at them again, all right? Get your phones out. By the way, everybody's gonna need a phone at the end of this talk, all right? So, so get it out right now and take notes so you quote me right on Instagram, you know who you are, anyway, all right, so good leaders never stop learning so that everybody behind you has the benefit of what you've learned, all right? Good leaders go first so that the people behind you actually know where to go next, they're following you. And then good leaders do not lead from or lead in isolation, and if they do, they'll either fail eventually from pressure and induced mistakes, or you'll just quit because it's miserable being the leader sometimes. And that's what we're gonna look at. Now, when I, when, I, when I put this series together a couple months ago, I thought, yeah, let's, uh, let, let's, let's, let's work through like the most important parts of leadership, especially where we're gonna spend a lot of time on like the three like must-have pivotal relationships that must be in place for you to become a, a, good, a good leader. And as I started to outline this series, I was like, oh, this might be impossible. I started realizing why there are entire sections of books on leadership in bookstores and in libraries and on Amazon. There are literally thousands of podcasts out there. There's seminars out there all on leadership, not just because everybody thinks they have it figured out, but because there's so many different levels and layers to this leadership thing. 
So how do you cover it all? So here's what I, I decided to do. I'm gonna do what I always do, and I was gonna say just dumb it down to gym level, but that sounds kind of patronizing, uh, but so I'm gonna say it this way. I'm gonna try to teach three weeks on leadership. I'm gonna try to teach the way Jesus did whenever he tried to teach really, 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 really deep and important and maybe new material, and it was hard to understand. How did he teach it? He, he told stories. And you just learn better through a story, all right? And parables and metaphors, all right? And, and what Jesus would do is he'd point to ordinary stuff in your everyday life going, I, I know all about that. Then he would connect it to unfamiliar, like spiritual stuff and say they're kind of the same. And all the people would go like, oh, well, that finally makes sense. So I wanna do that with leadership. See, in, in, in the leadership structure, and you can call it whatever you want. You can call it leadership, you can call it coaching. In the business world, you might call it apprenticeship or internship, all right? The Bible word for it would be discipleship the same thing, working for the same goal, and it's all based on three. There may be more than this, but there's, there's at least these three key relationships, all right? The first one is um, you gotta have a mentor. You gotta have a mentor. This is the person in your life who has the stuff. They have the information. They have the experience. They have the skill that you need and you need them to pass it on to you. So in different like, areas, that's, that's the teacher. That's the coach. That's the rabbi. That's the master. He or she has the stuff that you need. The second one, and this is the right word, it's a weird word though, is the mentee. You have a mentor and you have a mentee, all right? This is the, the person that the mentor is investing in so that, the, get this, the mentee will someday be able to do or surpass the mentor. That's the goal. The, the, this is the student or the apprentice or the disciple. You have the mentor, you have the mentee, and the third one is, it's a weird word, maybe you heard it, it uh, we can call it a cohort. This is one or more of your peers, like, like the, the people you run with who are in community with other mentees, sharing and encouraging one another, sharpening one another so that everybody gets better at assimilating and applying what the mentor has been pouring into them. Did you follow that? that, that that's the goal, right? So, so I'm a picture kind of guy, like, could you just show me a picture? Yes, I can, right? So it's, it's kind of like this, all right? So these are gonna represent like all the, all the people I just talked about, all right? So, so you have a mentor, and the mentor's got some stuff, all right? And so the mentor is going to pour into the mentee. Maybe, maybe more than one, all right? They're gonna, whatever they have that this person doesn't have, they're just gonna start pouring into them, all right? And then it just, it just keeps on going. So now, here's the question is, all right? What happens if nobody's pouring into the mentor? All right? And the answer is eventually they're gonna run out. They might have started with a, a, a lot, but eventually they're gonna be empty, which is why leaders have to have somebody pouring into them. It's, it, it keeps on going, and they have to have someone, and they have to have someone, all right? This is, this is true in business, it's true in marriage, it's true in family, and it's true with spiritual growth with God. And here's what I, I, I know some of you are thinking, because I've said it myself, I don't need anybody pouring me. I'm fine all by myself. I can take care of myself. I've got Jesus in my life. Good for you. All right, listen, all right. If you're sitting there going, I don't need anybody to pour into me, that puts you in a category with no one, including Jesus himself. Because Jesus never claimed that he didn't need somebody to pour into him. So either what you're claiming is I'm fine all by myself, I don't need anybody to invest in me, either that is not true or it is true and we should start a church and worship you. All right, but for the rest of us, okay, um, which I think is everyone, all right, um, we all need somebody pouring into us on, on all the different important parts of our life. We all need to be 
mentoring somebody else, pouring into somebody else. And here, here's why, okay? So you got somebody pouring into your life, and you're going, well, I'm good, I'm good. What if you're not pouring into somebody else's life? And here's, this, this looks good, this is like a good life. I'm full, I have a full life, all right? The, the thing, this is what's gonna happen, one of two things, or maybe both, all right? Eventually, that's all you got. I'm full, there's no room for any more. You've kind of squelched your capacity to become anything more, to absorb any new things, because there's just no room which will lead to this, if, 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 if you just keep it all to yourself, eventually you'll become really bloated. I'll just use the word, constipated. All right, which sucks, all right, 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 right. And given enough time, if you, if you just stay full all the time, then you'll become toxic, and then you'll become septic, and then that's fatal. But it's because you're selfish, and you're keeping it all to yourself. Which describes a lot of Christians I know. I'm fine with Jesus, sucks for you, good luck. Right, and they never get a chance to benefit from some of those of us that maybe have experienced something that might be helpful, right? So, so this happens like, on, on different levels in here, okay? So this is the mentor, all right? Let me talk about these other two relationships. One of them I've already covered, but the other one's gonna sound kinda new, okay? The second one is a mentee, all right? You're, you're a mentee, and then you need to be pouring into somebody else. So the mentee eventually comes up a mentor, all right? So that they can continue to learn what, 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 what what, you, you, what you've learned. Now, here's the other one, and this is, a, this is kind of a new word to many of us, and as I've I kind of missed it for long, and you, we call it a colleague, we call it a peer, we call it you know, an equal, all right? But the word that's really made a popular surge in the last couple of years is this word cohort. It's a community of, of mentees, uh, people who are about on the same level with you, who don't need anything from you. They're not trying to take anything from you. They, they just wanna help make one another better, okay? They, 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 they didn't replace the mentor in their life. What they do is the mentor's poured into them and now they're doing this. Well, does that help? How about this? Oh, you know what? I, I, I tried this and that helped me do this. And we're actually making each other better, all right? It's helping us to assimilate and apply what the mentor poured into us. In this relationship, you're just taking care of one another. And it's really, really important. We recently did a study uh, through a book of the Bible called the book of Proverbs, it's so, so good. But one of the key verses in the book of Proverbs is one of the most famous ones, right? Uh, kind of sums this up, it goes like this, look at this. As iron sharpens iron, and so if you rub two pieces of iron together, they actually make each other sharper, okay? So as iron sharpens iron, so one man or one person, we could sharpen one another. Right, this is what I'm talking about right, right here. So let's go back to fighting, okay? Let's go back to that UFC metaphor that we started with down at Vinny's, Vinny's gym, okay? So, so let me think about it. So you got, you got the key relationships. So you, so you got the coach, you got Vinny. He's the mentor, all right? He has mastered the skill of striking. He, he can double your power. He's just, he's just he, he's gonna pour that into you. Then you have the fighter, right, the mentee. You have like Curtis or you have Austin, all right, who are the students. They are the disciples. And then you have the, the elevation fight team. It's a community of fighters. It's a cohort of fighters who spar with one another, not because they're competing against one another, not because they're trying to beat the other man or beat the other woman, but because they're trying to put into practice the skills and the disciplines that, that Vinny poured into them, and they're trying to do that in a controlled condition so that when they step into the octagon, they are ready for battle, and then the rest of the cohorts on the outside, on the front row, cheering them on. Doesn't that sound like a good life? See, what's true in fighting is true in business, and what's true in business is true in family and in marriage and in, and in friendship, all the important parts of life. Let's just be honest, they're not intuitive. 
We weren't just born with them. We have to be trained. We have to be taught some things. And where it's really, really, really true and really, really, really crucial is in a person's like, like development and growth as a follower of Jesus, man or woman, old or young. But I'll say this, the sooner you get started, so this isn't like someday I'm gonna do this. The sooner you get started on this, this mentoring and being mentored and getting into a cohort, right, the more time you'll have to, to experience the rewards of these relationships on a spiritual level. And I promise if you have rewards on a spiritual level, it will benefit every other area of your life. I like how Vinny, I, just, I, I love this guy, right? He said the most influential coach in his life taught him not just to coach the skill, but to coach the entire person. I love that. Again, let me emphasize this, all right? While it's never too late to start pursuing and engaging in these relationships, I wanna be a mentor or I need a mentor in my life and I need some people in my life, the sooner you get started, the better. For example, Vivinia, right? He didn't get started until like his late 20s. He still achieved a really, really, really high level of success after several years of training, all right? But some of the men and the women down there at Vital, oh, they're, they're just, it's just so much power. But they're like in their early 20s, they're, they're, they're teenagers, right? And they have so much more time and opportunity to improve. See, if Vinny were to, if, if Vinny were to start training me now, it'd be awesome. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm 59, all right? There would, be some, there would be some benefits, some fitness benefits, some confidence benefits, some self-defense thing. But listen, I know, I'm pretty sure I'm not gonna be headlining Vegas anytime soon. I'm pretty sure. But how cool would it be to challenge another pastor in Denver to a fight, though, you know? <laughs> For charity. I love Flatirons. I think we could beat up every church in town. I do, I really think that, but... I digress. Anyway, just like it's not too late, <laughs> just like it's not too late for me to become a student of something new, how, how tragic would it have been if Vinny had had the attitude of, listen, I did my thing, I did my time. I'm moving on to another thing. And he forgot all those young men and women that were gonna come behind him. Here's the answer is everybody loses. Not only the generation of fighters, but Vinny loses too, right? But he's, man, he's winning more in his life than he ever had in the ring. So let, let me show you what this looks like in the Bible, all right? And uh, then we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna do something. There's no more music. I'm gonna pray and we're gonna go home. All right, we can get out of here, eat lunch. All right, so, uh, so uh, we're gonna do homework, all right? But uh, let, let, you're, you're gonna look at what happened with Jesus and then, then you're gonna look at your own life, okay? So, so I mentioned Jesus earlier. Jesus had a mentor and it wasn't the Holy Spirit or God the Father, right? I mean, he had that, absolutely, all right? But he had, he had a mentor in his life, especially his early life and his ministry, and it was his, his older cousin, John. You know him as John the Baptist. Let me give you a little background on that. Tradition, we don't have, it's not in the Bible, but tradition uh, has this, is that after Jesus was like a, a little kid, an infant, Joseph, his earthly father from the Christmas story, is not mentioned anymore. So tradition has it that he probably died and wasn't a part of Jesus' life. So, but how about this? But even if, even if Joseph had not died, um, at a certain age in the Jewish culture, usually, usually as a teenager, a, a, a young Jewish boy would leave home and apprentice himself to a skilled master, uh, all different kinds, all right, right? Uh, so that he could not only learn the skill that the master had, but this is important, so that he could become the same kind of person that the master is. And for that, for Jesus, it was John the Baptist. He played that role in his life. 
See, John the Baptist was, again, this will make sense. It's a little Bible history, right? John the Baptist was known as a rabbi of authority. Some of you are reading the Bible and it says, they were amazed because he taught us one who had authority. This is what they're talking about. A rabbi with authority meant that, that this person had achieved a status uh, uh, or, or knowledge and experience uh, so, so much that they could actually read the Bible and then it, and interpret it and apply it in new ways. Right? Rabbis, uh, uh, they, would, uh, they, would, they would be kind of they're, they're big deals in Israel, and every once in a while, they would take on a young uh, disciple or an apprentice for several years, and after spinning and pouring their life into these disciples, there was usually a graduation or an, an initiation ceremony, and it was usually something like baptism. Baptism was an initiation ceremony. John the Baptist poured into Jesus, then baptized him, initiated him, and launched him into his own ministry. And as that started getting going and Jesus' fame and popularity began to increase in that part of the country, a bunch of people went back to John the Baptist and said, hey, time out. There's a lot more people going to Jesus now than you. What's the deal? Like it's a competition. And John was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I know, I, I know the important role I have played in Jesus's development and preparation. But now things are different. And John says this, look at this. He says, he, talking about Jesus, he must become greater, the, the version I grew up with was this, he must increase, I must, I must decrease. And listen, John is not saying, hey, I'm old and retired and I'm gonna go play golf now or something like that. He's, he's not saying I've been put out to pasture. He's not saying I, I don't have anything left to offer anybody. No, it, it was John saying, I know my role. I know my role in the taking in and the passing on of what God wants to do in the world. And my success and my value is not based solely on what I have personally achieved in my own life, in my own career, what I have accomplished, but what I have passed on to the next person. And in this case, it's Jesus Christ. And Jesus, that wasn't lost on Jesus. Jesus knew the importance of that. He had huge gratitude for, for his mentor. This is how Jesus describes his mentor, John the Baptist, okay? He says this, he says, truly, I tell you, among those born of women, which would be humans, oh, yeah, right, right. So, so I, all the people ever born, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. But Jesus is saying, of all the people who have ever walked on the planet, maybe other than Jesus himself, John the Baptist is the greatest human being, and he was my mentor. And he poured into Jesus. And then Jesus poured into his 12 disciples, especially like an inner circle of three, Peter, James, and John. And he called them not just my disciples. There's a point where he says, now I call you my friends. You're my you're my." You're my cohort, you're my friends. And at certain times he asked them to pray for him and support him when he was going through a really tough time, like in the garden right before he got arrested. Hey, will you just stick with me? And sometimes they did a good job and sometimes they didn't go that, do that great. But Jesus kept pouring into them and pouring into them. And later he sends them out to the ends of the earth to do the same thing that John had done to him and that he had done to them. Go to the ends of the earth and make disciples, apprentices, students. And then they'll get up and they'll go find somebody else and they'll make disciples and apprentices and students. And they'll go on and on and on and on and on and on and on, which is why we're sitting here today. It's why, that's, that's the result of this, you being here today, because that chain of those important relationships, those three important relationships, has continued for 2,000 years. Which brings me to us. See, here's what I, I, I believe. I, I don't think that Jesus is in heaven, like, like wringing his hands, looking to go, oh, the earth's a mess. Uh, like, like, this is out of control. No, I, I believe Jesus is in control of the universe, all right? But I would say this, all right? We... And I can't speak for everybody, but so I'm gonna talk. We is, anybody listening to my voice right now, we're we, okay, all right? So we're in a pivotal time in the history of the world, but I can't speak of this country. 
And I'm not getting political, so take a breath, all right? But some would call it a crisis, maybe, but definitely we're at a crossroads. And I'm convinced it is rooted in the reality that these three relationships aren't happening anymore. Anywhere, but especially in the community known as we're followers of Jesus. We'll just call it the church. Let me tell you the effect of that. So for the first time in the history of the United States, right, the number one answer when it comes to polls, whether they're asking questions like, what is your faith or what is your religion? Number one answer in America right now, none. First time ever. A couple of weeks ago, I made reference to what I believe is the number one crisis in this country, and it's not drugs or violence or racism or sexual gender dysfunction, right? Those are just symptomatic of a greater problem. I call it fatherlessness. See, fathers either not being around or not being able to pour into their children, which is the number one charter and command given by God to fathers and parents. You know, and somebody is thinking, like, well, it makes sense. Somebody could build a case. You know what? That's because nobody poured into them. They don't have anything to pour into the, the, the next generation. And you know what? I agree. I get it. But the options are then put up a white flag and go, well, that's just the world today. Suck it up and live with it. Or we get to work changing it. And I vote for that. See, let's not just pin it on the men or the fathers and say, yeah, that's the problem. That's the only problem. No, it's not, it's not the only problem. It is a big one. But it's just part of another problem. And I believe that we have a shortage or an absence of mentors and coaches. We have a shortage of mature Christians who are either willing or able to value and pour into the, the next generation to come after us old guys. In their faith, pour into their marriages, into their parenting, into their values. And here's the thing, all right? Every time I bring up this idea of mentoring or coaching, and this is my fear around this series, which I almost didn't do this series, I know what's gonna happen this week. I'm gonna get a bunch of emails, or I'm gonna get stopped out in the lobby, and a bunch of people, especially young people, young married couples or young single people are gonna come up and they're gonna reach out and go, I want that, I, I need that desperately. Where can I find that? You know what my answer's gonna be? I don't know. I look back and go, yeah, I, I wish we could help, but for the time being, you know, we can't, so just take what Ben or I teach up here and do your best, good luck with it, and they'll try. This is some of our stories. You might even join a small group for a while, a cohort, right? But there, that, there won't be that mentor speaking into your heart and your head. It won't be there, so see if this sounds familiar to anything you've tried before. You're gonna try for a while, and you're gonna get tired, and you're gonna quit. You're gonna quit on your faith, you're gonna quit on your marriage, you're gonna quit on being a parent, because you're just making it up as you go, and it's just hard and exhausting. And, and before you become one of those, you kids get off my lawn, old fart, you know you are, right? Because um, sometimes they're sitting there going, hey, I figured it out. They can figure it out on their own. Okay, good for you, thanks, helpful, all right? But let me just talk to the old people. We know who we are, right? If you could get a do-over, how great would it have been if you had a trusted mentor or leader in your life coaching you around the avoidable landmines that you stepped on and reminding you as a young man or a young mom or whatever, they, you're going, I just suck at this, I'm falling apart. Somebody speaking into your head, into your heart, what is true and what could still be true? Would it have made a difference? Listen, next week we're gonna, we're gonna talk a little bit about what, what we're calling my succession plan right, how, how I leave Flatirons and turn it over to the next, the next leaders who will who'll, who'll lead Flatirons, right? So let me talk about that real briefly. I'm 59 years old, and I love what I do, and I plan on doing it for several more years, but I'm, I'm not gonna do this forever. But until recently, if you would have said, hey, Jim, what's your plans for after retirement? I went, I ain't ever gonna retire. But that is not true. 
So what would be the best and wisest use of my time over the next several years between now and when I retire, and what am I gonna do after I retire? And it's not just go hunting and fishing and hiking, although I will do that a lot. Um, I have a plan. I have a plan. I have, it's, it's, it's happening now, and I'm planning for, for what's gonna happen afterward. I'm gonna invest in the next generation of up-and-coming leaders, and I'm gonna help other old leaders make a plan for the rest of, of their life when they're done in their career, right? That's what I wanna spend my life. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Wait, listen, I've heard you all say, all right, listen, I, I, I've heard people say this, and you're all sitting there going, oh, yeah, I, I wouldn't change anything in my life. Made me who I am today. I call BS, that's not true. You wouldn't change anything. I would. I would. There are a lot of things in my past that I would change if I could, and I know I can't, but I just wonder how much pain and shame and regret that I caused to other people or that were caused to me could have been avoided if I hadn't been out there making it up on my own. And I wonder how much more pain, shame, and regret could be avoided in the future if I were to have these relationships going forward in my life from this point on, because that's all we have. I just wonder. So today I haven't really taught anything new and I'm not going to, all right? What I'm trying to do though is, is kind of take a time out, right? To determine what we as a community need to do to take better care of one another, right? The last series that we kept saying, we have got to take better care of one another. So I'm trying to hear from God what taking care of one another actually looks like. So I wanna give you one more verse, all right? Let's call it a memory verse. It's a really short one, you can do it even if you're from Arizona, all right, so, uh, so um, yeah, Paul's fired, so, uh, but this, uh, this verse kind of summarizes what we're kind of trying to do together as a, as a church, all right? It's written by a man named Paul. We're gonna talk a lot about Paul over the next couple, couple weeks, all right? He, he had a mentor in his life, and he was pouring his life into some young leaders, all right? This is what he passes on to some young people that he is mentoring, and look at this, it's so good. He says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ, that's our memory verse. So let's say it all together, one, two, three. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And that's what, that's what we're talking about here. See, see, Paul is not saying follow my example because I've nailed it. I am the perfect example of what a perfect Christian looks like. Not at all. He's saying, listen, I'm gonna put myself out there. I'm offering myself to you so that you can follow me and benefit from some of the things that, that Christ has revealed and taught me in my own life and my own journey over the years that might help you as you follow Christ in your own journey, in your own life over the years. And a lot of what Paul points to about following me are examples of, so I did that wrong. Like he says, like if you made a list of the worst sinners, I'm president. I'm, 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 the, I'm the worst, right? I wanna talk about, I screwed up so many things, all right? But Christ, who started a, work, a good work in me, never gave up on me. And he worked on that part of my life, and that's why that part of my life is better. So I want you to follow that part of me that's following Christ, got it? That's all we're talking about. We're not talking about perfect people. Now, all, all that was a, a setup and context for your homework assignment, which isn't really a homework assignment because we're gonna do it right here, right now. And if you're online, you're gonna do it wherever you are, right here, right now. And if it's a month from now, you're gonna do it right here, right now uh, as well, right? So I want everybody, and Jesus is watching, to get out your phone. Get out your phone. Don't stare at me. I'll stare right back, all right? Um, and if you don't have a phone, it is 2021. Get, get a phone. Now, now, up on the screen, you're gonna see this, this QR code come up. It is not a sign of the beast. Save that email. 
again. All right, so, um, so it's gonna take you with your, with your camera to an anonymous, and I, I promise it's an anonymous survey that we're gonna take together in here or throughout the week. And if you're watching at home, it should be on your TV screen right now, okay? So, so let me kind of set this up as you ask your grandkids how to do that. Uh, so, all right, so from a biblical perspective, I don't start the survey yet, just listen, all right? This is what we've covered so far. So for you and I to grow in any area of our life, but especially the areas of life like the, the stakes are so high, I cannot lose, I cannot lose again, those parts of our life. To see them reach their full potential, it is crucial that we have these three key relationships in place. Here they are to review again. You, you need a mentor in your life. I need a person who has some skill or some experience or some knowledge that's willing to pour into me so I can grow in that part of my life. I need a cohort. I need a person or a group of people who are willing to pour into one another as we pursue together what God wants for both of us. Mentor and then you need a community, and then you need a mentee. No matter where you are on that line, you need to be pouring into someone who could benefit from what God has taught and revealed to you in your own life and experience. So we're gonna go through this survey together, and there's gonna be a, a place in there where if we don't hit yours, you can, you can type it in, uh, one, or, one or two words, and, and uh, then we're gonna come back next week, all right? I'm gonna bring all these answers from this community called Flatirons, and this certainly, again, calls, includes everybody across the world online, and I'll, here's what my goal is. I want us to bring these answers back and see if, if we're the only one, or that maybe there are a whole bunch of people out there looking for the same thing, which I think is true. Okay, so here it goes. Question number one, right? What do you have? Now, I, 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 I did that specifically. It's not, do you have anything you do? You just haven't thought about it this way, okay? What do you have to offer to someone else that might be helpful in their life? What is it that you have? And just think about it. These are lists, but it's not, it's not exhaustive. I, I might be helpful to, to single people on how to be whole. It seems like the whole world's about married people, but you know what? I found great Fulfillment and being single. I could pour in another single person. Or how about a young married couple? I, you know, we've, we've been through some stuff. We could, we could pour in some young marrieds, uh, some young dads, some young moms. Um, we just, we just done, figured out how this blended family or being a single parent works. And I, I could help another person do that. I could, I could show how God's grace made it possible for recovery from my addiction or the traumatic thing that happened to me. I just went through a, a time of loss and I, I'd walk through that with somebody else. How about this? I, I, I'm a business person. I, I could help another business person who wants to bring maybe God into their workplace. I didn't think it was possible. You should see where I work. But somehow it, it works, all right? I could help somebody who wants to get out of and stay out of debt. That's an example. You can click two or three of them if you want, okay? Or, or, or write one in there. But there, there's something that you've come through. There is. And you come out on the other side and you might have something to offer somebody else who's going through that or is about to go through something. It can be good or a bad thing. You did it right, you did it wrong, but you learned something. You're not committing to anything. This is an anonymous survey, but there may be something else. There's something there that you could, you could offer somebody. So check one or two of them or write, write in, all right? Um, we had almost 2,000 people do it at the, the earlier service, so uh, this is really, really, really important, okay? So the second question is, goes like this. What is an area of life that you wish you had a mentor? Oh, right, you wish, it's the same list. There's some single people going, that would be awesome to have somebody tell me that I'm incomplete because I could actually be a whole person. So I, I need that, all right? Uh, I, we just got married. It's not what we thought. <laughs> said everybody ever married, all right? Um, or, or, hey, listen, I'm making it up as a young dad or a young husband or young, young whatever that is, all right? Or, listen, I, I, I didn't plan on being a single parent. 
Can anybody walk through this with me, all right? Um, I, I, I would love to know it's possible to, to not be addicted to this anybody. Could anybody help me there? Um, I don't know if I can survive the grief of this. Could anybody help me there? You don't know where I work. How could I bring God into a place like this? And I'm in, this is, this is what changed my life. I, I, I need somebody to show me how to get out of and stay out of debt. And there's something else going on. You know what I need? I need this. You didn't put it on the list. Write, write it in there, okay? Now, last question, then we're gonna pray and go home. But before I get to it, somebody gave me a great quote this week. I don't know where it came from, so after this, I, I said it. That's how it works at Church World. All right, so look, this is so, so good, all right? Not everyone who is in your circle is in your corner. Can I get an amen there, all right, right? Not everyone who's in your little circle is necessarily in your corner, which means this, you've got a circle. I got some friends, I got some buddies, I got some family members, all right, right? And we hang out with, you know, uh, if we were in a bar and got in a fight, they'd fight with me, but some, see, here's the thing about, right? I don't know why I said that one. Uh, um, often, and I think it's because they love you so much, because they're your friend. They don't tell you the truth. And it sounds good, no matter what, no matter where, no matter what, right, right or wrong, buddy, I am on your side. Listen, I, I, thank you. If I have cancer and you don't wanna tell me about it because it'll make me sad, that's really not the most loving thing I need from you right now. Does that make sense? I need some hard truth. So you got buddies and you got a circle, right? But how about this? Do you have a key word here? Trusted people. Do you have trusted people or a person in your life to tell you the hard truth, here's the other part, for the purpose of making you better? You have a lot of people who wanna tell you hard truth to take you out of the knees. No shortage of that. Do you have anybody who's willing to get really honest about the, I don't wanna talk about that part of your life for the purpose of making you better? Do you have a trusted person or community who's in your corner, who doesn't want anything from you, which as a leader, everybody wants a piece of you, right? Everybody, as a, everybody just wants to like suck something out of you, but they don't want anything from you. They just want whatever God wants for you. They want that for you too. And they're willing to go to the hard places to see you get it. Wouldn't that be awesome to have that kind of life and those kind of people in your life? So, so, so that's it, I'm done, all right? So next week we're gonna come back and we're gonna, together we're gonna look at how you go find that. So listen, don't, do, don't see some dude in the lobby and go, will you mentor me? No, you're weird. All right, go away, all right? <laughs> so there's a process to this, okay? Because just don't do that. And don't email me, because no, the answer's no, all right? So, uh, but how do you get those three key relationships and how they do it back in Jesus' day and what would it look like for you to go find it because it's probably not gonna happen on its own, okay? Now, here's the last thing I'm gonna say, and then we're gonna stand up and pray. Full disclosure, I don't have that right now. I want it, but everything I talked about, and this is the internal conversation in your head, especially if you tried it and got burned. Because I had a cohort, and they threw me under the bus, and it's really, really scary to open myself up to that again. Does that make sense? So it's, it's not gonna be easy, and it's not gonna be fast. It's not, it, or it'd already be happening, okay? And it's gonna be risky. But if it worked, how awesome could that be? And if Jesus says this is a better way to live life, I say we, we, take, we give it a shot, right? Let's go for it as a, as a community, all right? Let's stand up, all our campuses, and then I'm gonna pray. You don't have to stand up online unless you want to.
So God, right now, here's what I know is happening is there's all these internal conversations. There's a lot of us, especially busy people going, I don't have time for this, and, and you know, someday maybe, whatever that is. And then there's other people going, oh God, this is what I've been asking for for years. If I could just have one person in my life that would come alongside me because I'm making it up as I go and I don't know what I'm doing and I need some help and I'm tired. Whatever that is, God, I just pray that we just listen well to you. You'll show us the next step. You'll show us the next, you know, the, next, the next thing that needs to happen in our life. We don't have to have it all figured out. But I do pray, God, I pray that every one of us, myself included in this, we look around us and go, I got someone in my corner who's on my side, who's for me. We all need people for us and we need to be for some other people. The world's waiting on that. It would change the world. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask for it. Jesus, will you do that in this church? It's in your name I pray. Amen. All right, see you next time.